Welcome to episode 50. Can you believe it, Graham? 50. Mac and Cheese. I'm Mac Mail. And I'm Graham Hicks. Hard to believe we've been at this for 50 episodes now. Oh, it's just been a lot of fun. It's been tons of fun. I (laughs) like this. Even though you are pretty conservative for a kid. (laughs) Tell us what we got on the agenda for today. Okay. We were thinking about the the demise of Sun TV. You're celebrating. I'm weeping. Yep. Uh, the 2020 games have been canceled. Commonwealth Games. Please. I see this as a golden opportunity to do something else. I'm interested to see what your take is. Okay. Uh, a topic we've talked about before. We have talked about it before, revisit. but now there's a there's a new thing on it. Yep. Uh, the Galleria, the great project to do this opera hall and the university and everything downtown. Uh, Paula Simons did a super thing in the journal of analyzing a community kind of what was it a community forum like a report survey. Yeah. A survey that you would fill out and, and just pointing out how incredibly biased this thing was to try and try and get an optimal yeah. report which uh, yeah. which is quite fascinating I'd really wonder what the internal conversations must be at City Hall once that column came out absolutely you know? yeah and then the last thing which I think everyone seems to just slip by everybody but lo and behold uh, stats Canada's come out with their latest regional census data and Edmonton has moved into fifth place. We've, we are now bigger than Ottawa Gatineau. Go I, Edmonton. Yes, sir. <laughs> Just keep breeding. Yeah. <laughs> keep the babies coming. <laughs> so you are quite happy to see Sun TV bite the dust. Well, I guess I would say more accurately I'm a little indifferent in that I never watched the thing. It was not, I was not their target demographic, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I was not the True. person they were going after to watch uh, Sun News Network. And it was way up the friggin' dial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they never really got a shot that way. Yep. I mean, you had to be <coughs> looking for it to want to go and watch it, right? So it spoke to a very specific audience, I and think. Mac, my, and my take, my insight into it, is more from the fact that most of those guys that hosted those shows also wrote columns for the Edmonton Sun. And right. I am an Edmonton Sun reader. I've been part of that family for 35 years. So that was more where I knew them. And that was to, that was the idea, right? Tap into some of the columnist talent that the Sun has. Oh, but put it was them on all TV. seen as synergetic. No, well, they did hire a lot of people. and, and yeah. uh, I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of production people that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Right. And I don't know what their contracts were, if they were expected to write X number of columns or and do their TV shows or whatever. But uh, I am sad because it, it was an alternative universe, mm-hmm. a different way of looking at Canada. We, we keep forgetting that, like it or lump it, and, and just by way of tangent, uh, I have a cousin in Toronto that I love dearly, but he is virulently, totally, irrationally anti-Stephen Harper and the Conservatives. Right. You know, he's, a, he's an opera singer. Wouldn't matter if they put $3 billion into opera. He would still hate him. Right. right? Yeah. And I think there is this sort of kind of a revulsion or whatever among among the conventional media in Canada, which is always been left of center, which is always, you know, the CBC world, if you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> and I always thought these guys were refreshing as heck because they just said, hey, there is another way of looking at things. And it does have to do with individuality, with capitalism, with being proud of things, with saying you can't pay for everything all the time, with pointing out that energy, you know, that fossil fuels are not necessarily bad. They, they, they kind of reveled in being anti-politically correct. Yeah. And I found that I would read those columns, and more often than not, I would learn something from them. And that's all I ask when I read a column. 
If I hear the same old pap I've already read 10 times before from somebody mouthing an opinion which they haven't researched any further, what's the point? Right? Yeah. But uh, Ezra Levant, our famous friend Ezra Levant, who originally was from Edmonton in some ways, who has come up with some quite brilliant analysis that nobody else did. His problem is he didn't know where to stop. He would go beyond the bounds of, of okay, I'll call it respectfulness or whatever, yeah. and he would needlessly anger people. And they would lose sight of the fact he had an awful lot of intelligence and some really good things to say. His book on ethical oil was, a, was something that nobody thought about. So hang on a sec here. Everyone's raining at the oil sands and all that. Excuse me, let's look at these despotic regimes and these crazy places and the things they do and were things we consider to be barbaric. And we're nice to those guys. And, and you guys are crapping all over us because of the oil sands. You know, ethical oil, it was a tremendous point. So the other viewpoint on Sunday's network, though, is that they went too far by by a long shot. So it's not that they just presented the alternative point of view, but that they were extreme in that point of view, kind of like Fox News. And and people I respect, like you mentioned uh, off air when we were talking about this, Omar Moalam um, is a columnist here in, in Edmonton. He wrote a piece for Canada Land, which is, I guess, trying to become the site that calls out media <laughs> in Canada. Um, and he, I think, went so far as to call them racist and, and you know, said they really crossed that boundary. So that's the other viewpoint. I think really. Omar, who I think is a very good writer and a very dedicated Edmontonian and an Edmontonian booster, yeah. uh, in retrospect, would not write that column the way he wrote that one. He's been defending it, though, hasn't he? You have to once you've written it. <laughs> I've, I've done an awful lot of columns. I might have rewritten a bit if I'd, I suppose. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he, he was guilty of the same kind of tactics as those he accused. He just he went overboard in that column. Mm. It's almost worth a read to see how someone can get so emotionally immersed that they've lost sight of the fact that the art of writing is more of an emotion of a of an intellectual one. You know, give me an argument, Omar. Give me an argument. Don't just start using words like hatred and everything else. Like you know, don't give me a good argument. I, I don't care what you think. I can totally disagree with you, but give me an argument. Well, and I, think I don't his think argument is that people like Ezra Levant went out across the line, right? That line of respectfulness or whatever it is you want to call it. They they crossed that boundary a long time ago and there was no turning back, right? I think that's the point of view that he represented well. and a bunch of people online were, I think, quite in agreement with, right? And I think that's why well, a lot of people are not sad to see that the Fox News North go away. <laughs> that's also because they are left-leaning liberals and have always been and always will be and they have a CBC view of the world uh, which was represented by the liberals and by all kinds of things in this country. And they are always quite shocked to find out that, my God, some people might actually believe something besides the official me media, what, what Ezra used to call, what was it, the, uh, the official journalese or something like that. Mm. And you need those voices. I'm sorry. I don't even mind the far left. Guys like David Klimenhaga or whatever, right? Uh, he... I love this stuff. I, I don't I agree with him, but I, he gives me a good argument. Yeah, I think a broader array of voices is not a is not a bad thing, but it needs to be fact based and not sensational. And sometimes I think it veers into entertainment more than more than an informed viewpoint, right? Well, there's always a fine line. Yeah. <laughs> so, so why do you? But think I am sad to see some TV go. I think we've lost some we've lost some important voices in the national debate. So lastly, on this, why do you think they? 
decided to shut it. Is it all about money? Is it oh, it's about money. Yeah. Yeah. Also, don't forget, Quebec Corps has been doing some very strategic stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> if your biggest shareholder is running to have an independent Quebec, right, uh, and he owns the company, basically, uh, you might be wise to divest yourself of the English language. And, you s and plus, which Quebec Corps is not stupid, and they they have been for the last 10 years realizing that the print world is not going to do this great segue into the internet world. And so they've got you know, well, big operations outside. Yeah, right. they yeah. sold it at, at 10 cents on the dollar, basically, compared to what they bought it for. Right. And they tried to sell Sun News Network. They couldn't get a price for it, so they just shut, shut it down. down. Yeah. One thing I'll give Quebec Corps is uh, they are fairly brutal but realistic when it comes to money. When it comes to business, I yeah. worked for those guys for 10 years. <laughs> you would know. End of comment. All right, what's our next uh, topic here then? Our next topic is the 2022 games are not going to happen in Edmonton. So last week the city had a press conference and said, we're withdrawing our plans to bid for the 2022 games. They kind of blamed it on the financial situation at the province and said when they previously were going to support it, the, the province had said they would be a financial backer, and now they're unable to do so because of the, uh, the price of oil and things like that. And so they're instead going to apparently turn their attention to 2026. The whole thing is absolutely fascinating, and good on everybody for realizing this is not the time to spend another billion dollars on, on frivolities, right? Jim Prentice is, uh, I'm, I'm very, very impressed with Jim Prentice, just yeah. saying we are going to nip this thing. We're not going to start to build up a huge amount of debt. We're going to we're going to use that kind of drastic spending cuts and increase taxes. Right. We know well, it's coming. We think so, yeah. Oh, of course it's coming. Yeah. Now, he's, he's a very master politician. He's played us like violins <laughs> to get all this, this done, which is good for him. But I think this is a chance. We talked about this before. When it first came up, this bridge came up, I was part of a minority that said, Commonwealth Games, you know, the track and field. I don't know if it uh, was what, minority, but I, I don't well, think there was too many boosters. Uh, yeah, but everyone sort of said, well, it's something to go after. Let's go after it. Yeah. My point has always been now we have a we have a reprise here. If you were to take a billion dollars, first of all, you wouldn't. You might take two or three million, two or three hundred million. Yeah. But to do something really innovative and creative that is different, that's mind-breaking, that's more 21st century, and found what that was and then developed it and then had a major festival or a major party around an opening or something and then crack our heads open, go all Alberta so you really get a buy-in from the province and, and you, you select a year and you do something really interesting. Does it have to be within you know, the Olympics or Commonwealth Games or whatever? Why not take our River Valley Alliance, which is building out this, this marvelous park in a city, get that moving along to get something really going, take Fort Edmonton Park, which is due for a major overhaul, which is a great, the only real good tourist attraction we have, to do the native village there, the First Nations thing, which would be a marvelous, I mean, the, the vision they have there is fantastic. That whole Aboriginal thing has great appeal to the European tourist market. We could do something really, really f amazing if we took that kind of money and, and created a festival of, with a different dimension to it that, that could catch fire in many, many different ways. And I think that'd be a far better return on the investment, especially if you created a couple of tourism things that will continue to be destination tourism, which you know we're never going to have a big tourism industry, but why not have an extra 500 million or a billion a year? Yeah. I mean, I'm not opposed to any of that. I guess part of it would be 
well, why don't we do that anyway? Those things are There's only so much money. That we've already got 400 million going into our arena. We've already got a new provincial museum going up. We're building out LRT to beat the band. We have got so much on our plate. We're talking about the airport lands. People, slow down. We are the fastest growing city, one of the two fastest growing but cities in Canada. But we can't go into debt. We cannot keep we going into debt. No taxes, the best tax situation in the country. Thank God. We have an incredible amount of resources in this province, and we can't do these things. Mr. Prentice, I sure hope he is the next law he because he's the first guy I've seen that's really, come along I mean, since since uh, you know that that seems to have the big picture that might be able to get us back on track to being able to do more things. My point's very simple. We've already got a ton on the go, right? We all said this but before. But that doesn't mean we stop. That's, you know, we had well, a ton on the I go I don't mind taking a breather for five years until we get our financial house in order. The city does have its financial house in My order. My grandchildren will appreciate it. It's the province that needs to sort out their financial house, which is why I think saying we're going to go after 2026 just makes no sense. It's not like four years is going to make a difference in terms of how much the province could put into a major event like that, right? You're saying that because we haven't been able to do this for the last 25 years, because we have not had good sound fiscal leadership other than Ralph Klein, which which through a lot of infrastructure deficit did bring our debt back down to zero. Well, caused a whole bunch of costs. Sure, yeah, ways, blah, right? blah, blah. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah. always that kind of stuff. There's a, there's a trade-off. And, yeah. and here's Prentice who said, I will do my best next five years to try and, whether it's a heritage fund or whatever that to get us used to paying a little more, to bring our, 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 our finances into balance, and to be able to put some surplus every year back in the heritage fund that finally builds up to mm -hmm. a nice little dam of $60, $70 billion, yeah. from which you can every year you can take out $5 billion for general revenues and not have to worry about what the price of the oil is going to be that year. Right. So to do that will be a feat that nobody else has managed to do. Right, and I'm just saying... We've but if we don't do it, what's our alternative? It's not that we haven't ever done it before, and that's why we can't do it. It's that I don't see what's different now that's going to allow that to happen. It's still the leader of the party promising to do his best. What's different now is quite right. simple. He's saying 5% real cut plus the 4%. $600,000 for no, no, MLAs. That was symbolic, very important symbolism, yeah. number one. I'm talking about 5% cut overall, right? We're talking about new taxes, if he does this right, he gets us used to doing this. We do start to build up a few surpluses. Oil prices come back in a couple of years. We can then start to build up that reservoir so we can do all these airy-fairy things that you just love to do, you know, because we're a modern, sophisticated city, and by golly, we should have all these things because, well... We wouldn't be talking about Edmonton being now the fifth largest metropolis if Edmonton didn't do those things. You can't be It's called oil prices, dear boy. And and not do it's the called things that oil make prices. you competitive. It's called oil prices. So then we're basically screwed as a city. Like this is our peak because we can't be competitive nah, because be. of the province. I don't well, know. I, I don't choose no, no. to take that point of view, right? <laughs> but mean, we are dependent on one huge source of energy, of money, called the stuff that comes out of the ground and is worth $100 a barrel, which is pretty amazing. Or, but it's or been coming out of the ground for 50 years, and we haven't been able to do a better job of managing that. I resource. know because we got addicted to it. I mean, that's all I'm saying. I think. Hey, I'm not. I'm not excusing the past, but I'm just saying, until we get this thing figured out, I'm with this guy. I'm going to give him four or five years to see if he can actually do 
what should have been done a long, long time ago, but let's see if we can do it. And until then, I'm quite willing to take a major breather. We are still going to have all these beautiful new things. We have so many new baubles and toys in this town the last 10 years. Surely we can you know, make do without for five years. That we've had to fight and scrape. You and always have to fight and scrape. From the province for it. Like if, if it wasn't such an issue about infrastructure funding for cities, maybe I'd be less concerned about the Commonwealth Games. But they don't give us a vehicle. They don't give the cities a vehicle currently to get that really critical infrastructure funding. So un unless Mr. Prentice is going to change something with this whole big mm. city charter. Mac, I mean, you're absolutely right, but let's not forget that every time there's an extra billion dollars anywhere, there's a whole pile of lobby groups and interest groups and people that want it for them. Well, my cause is more important than your cause, and, and that's the way politics works. Politics is, is fighting over dividing up a pie. Yeah, right. but how I, much I is going to expand? I totally agree with you. The time needs to come that cities get their own tax points, et cetera, et cetera. But until that, we are creatures of the of the the province. We exist at their whim. Uh, they're talking about this big city charter. Let's see where it goes. It's still going to be a rather magnificent city once we have all these things done. We're doing okay. And why do we need it at Commonwealth Games? If we have that money, let's do something more creative with it. <laughs> The Galleria project is another one that a few people would love to see to the point that, as Paula was saying, that there was a questionnaire put out by the city. That, what do they call it? Like a focus focus group forum? Well, they're doing like, like uh, two public open houses or whatever. And mm. they had an online survey too. Yeah. And she was looking at the online survey, I think. And, and her point was, boy, are they the way this thing is designed and constructed was to actively seek uh, a, a real pro vote for this thing. She's well, just she pointing very biased, right? Yes, yeah. Very, very biased survey. And when Paula speaks, I listen. She's a very, very bright lady who, who doesn't play sides. No, she'll know. tell you like it is, and I think she did <laughs> on yeah. that particular issue. It's particularly interesting because there's the uh, Counselor's Initiative on Public Engagement, and it's one of the, com the corporate strategies for the year on engagement. So then they go and do this survey, which is really questionable, kind of makes you wonder... And doesn't fit with these guidelines or these policies? Well, they're all in development, I guess, to be okay. fair, but you would think they'd be trying to uh, do a better job of, of those surveys that mm -hmm. they're putting out. And, you know, they have been. Like, the Insight community, I think, has been really positive. They have made some good steps in the right direction. This one just kind of smelled of involvement from the proponent, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I guess you never know if that's the case. but Yeah. And meanwhile, yes, we are right the Statistics Canada did their update on all the population figures. Yep. Edmonton is not Greater Edmonton, Real Edmonton, the regional metropolitan Edmonton, which is what counts. It's not about the artificial borders of the city. <laughs> it's not 1.2 million that we were all saying. It's 1.3, and that was enough to edge us past Ottawa-Gatineau. So we are now the fifth largest urban population what that means other than bragging rights, rights, I don't know, but it is kind of cool. But we might even drop next couple of years. There might be an immigration out if, if, if the job situation gets really tight. Mm -hmm. Maybe, though predictions seem like our growth is going to continue. Maybe not quite as fast as it has, but uh, The latest one is right? CIBC World Markets today were saying in their most recent event that they actually think the one of the first ones to say they think the Alberta economy is actually going to shrink. Mm. Interesting. Well, that doesn't necessarily impact uh, migration rates right away. I guess it's more of a lagging indicator. It's a lag, yeah. 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 
Aren't you glad you're in an industry that's completely immune to the oil business? <laughs> yes, I am, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I okay. mean, it's, it's good for Edmonton. Number five, right behind, I would assume, Calgary? Uh, yes, right yeah. behind Cal- Calgary. is a distant quick notes here. Actually, it's real interesting. Toronto, six million. Montreal is only is four million. That's the next biggest. Toronto's such in, a giant. In the metro, yeah. Yeah, Montreal's still such a giant. Yeah, right? yeah. Vancouver is way behind, 2.5 mil. Vancouver itself is tiny, right? Like no, the, this is the greater border. Vancouver. Yeah, I know the what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is the equivalent of Montreal. I always thought that Vancouver and Montreal were neck and neck, but hmm. Montreal still got them. Calgary, 1.4 mil. Edmonton, 1.35. Uh, getting close. And Ottawa Gatineau, 1.32. Cool. Well, actually, we might even be 1.33, so we just edged past the bureaucrats. It's enough. We're number five. Yeah, that's right. We're <laughs> we're we're the Oilers. They're the civil service. <laughs> Sounds good. Any cheese this week? Yes. So wrapped up, I completely forgot I bought cheese. So, so tell us. We are we so got. excited. I almost forgot about the cheese, but, but we did. It. Picked it up at the cavern, and I asked the nice lady down there. I said, "What have you got? That's kind of like uh, Parmigiano or Reggiano." Mm-hmm. And she said, "Try this. It's called a sardo. Mm-hmm. It's from Argentina." And it's supposed to be, she says, it's a little bit like, not as dry as your is your Parmesano or the... Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot more moist. But it's a hard cheese, kind of like a Parmigiano-Reggiano. It's uh, salty. If you grated it up and threw it on spaghetti... That's what I'm going to do when I get home. But it's a little more... Uh, I have leftover spaghetti waiting for me. This is what I'm going to do. You can test this. It's a bit bitter, but it might work quite nicely. I think it'll be really good. Yeah. Mm. It's tasty. Sardo, folks. Think of sourdough, but it's also S A R D O. An Argentinian, you said. Argentinian. Mm. Yeah, Mac, you take some of this home and you uh, put it on that grater and stick it on your spaghetti and see what you got. I'm going to do. I'll report back. Okay. All right, thanks for listening to our 50th episode of Mac and Cheese. Check us out at macandcheese.ca. Break out the bubbly.